Today we observe the Feast of All Saints. All Saints falls within a three-day observance. Uh, we all know Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, October 31st. The actual date for All Saints' Day is always November 1st. And then we have All Souls' Day on November 2nd, which is also known as the Commemoration of All Faithful Departed. And the first Sunday after All Saints' Day, today, tends to be observed as sort of a mashup of All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day, where we both give thanks for all the saints of the church and also all those whom we love who have died and now live with God. So what is a saint? A saint is a special person who is close to God and lives in the way that God wants us to live. A saint sets an example for us to follow. Technically, a saint is someone who is formally recognized by the church as being a saint and has a feast day assigned to them where we observe uh, their sainthood. But we all also have people we consider saints, the smallest saints, as it were, people who have been saints in our lives. When Father Murray Hammond used to work at St. John's and do pastoral care work, I'd observe his ministry, and I used to say, that guy is a saint. Saint is also a word I've used for parishioners who I have observed offering unwavering love and care to a spouse with a long-term illness or to a spouse who is dying. That person is a saint. Who are and have been the saints in your life? What characteristics made them saints for you? Last night at our All Souls commemoration, people shared beautiful stories about loved ones who have died. There were powerful stories about parents' final days and the things they did and said. And also stories about loved ones who died too soon. It was a reminder to me that the saints in my life are still teaching me. Their lives are still an example for me. And let's also be clear that many of us have loved ones whose lives are examples of how not to live. One of my uh, favorite posters I saw, it showed a shipwreck and it said, it may be the only purpose of your life is to serve as a warning to others. I suppose that could be a form of sainthood. <laughs> and we may have people in our lives with whom uh, we are unreconciled, even though they have died. And we have to thankfully acknowledge that uh, God's grace is timeless and not limited to a human lifespan, that those relationships continue and reconciliation is still possible. In the early church, the saints were all of the followers of Jesus, both living and dead. 
we are bound together through God's eternal love in Jesus. And if you look around you, around the church, especially at the windows and some of the carvings up here, you will see that we are surrounded by a community of saints. You see apostles and other saints surrounding us right now. These are artistic depictions of the reality that we proclaim. If you look at the windows, they show that the light of God shines through the saints, showing us the way. And if you look about halfway back the church into the nave windows that are blank, I see that as sort of an invitation for each of us to join them. A blank slate for which we can write our own lives <laughs> as saints. As we sung at the beginning of the service, the saints live not only in ages past, there are hundreds of thousands still. For the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean to be one too. The journey of becoming a saint is rooted in our baptism, and the Christian life is the process of growing into or fulfilling our baptism, and it all flows from the water of the font. That is actually why, and part, as part of our uh, renovation, we moved the baptismal font to the back of the church, to the entrance into the nave, a visual reminder to live out our baptism and that we come here to hydrate our souls. On this All Saints Sunday, we give thanks for the lives of the saints, and we remember those who have died and joined the great cloud of witnesses this past year. And as with today, it is one of the primary days for celebrating baptism. So the saints, those who have died, and baptism, all these combined on one day. Which leads me to the question that I've been thinking about. Given all that, why is this the gospel passage that was assigned for All Saints Sunday? The answer, I think, is because this passage from Luke, with the Beatitudes and the subsequent teachings of Jesus, is a sort of manual for saints. It's a how-to. The blessings and the woes we heard in the Beatitudes find an echo in the promises and renunciations that will be made at baptism. A saint seeks to bless what God blesses. And in the Beatitudes, we have an invitation to the upside-down ethics of the kingdom of God. As we hear this passage, we need to understand that in Luke's historical context, it was assumed that followers of Jesus would be persecuted. Despite some media hype, Christianity is the dominant and privileged religious expression in this country. Instead, all of us find ourselves in a context where everyone, I think literally everybody, 
feels they are being politically persecuted or under assault or reviled. It doesn't matter where you are in the political spectrum. Everyone is under assault. In that context, hear the words of Jesus. I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. About that last line, pray for those who abuse you. I want to say that Jesus is saying this in the context of being persecuted because of your identity as a Christian. If you are a victim of domestic or workplace abuse or some other abuse, you can pray for your abuser, but you also need to get help and support to get out of that relationship dynamic. The point isn't just pray and take it. The key words in this passage are this, that Jesus tells us, listen, love, do good, bless, pray. To me, this is sort of a mantra for being a saint. It tells us how to behave. I encourage you to take the bulletin home with you, and maybe you can start each of your day with this mantra and then repeat it as needed. Listen, love, do good, bless, pray. Jesus is doing something quite radical here. It's a sort of spiritual Aikido, redirecting the energy coming at us. Rather than meeting force with force, Jesus invites the saints to embody the line from our baptismal covenant to strive for justice and peace among all people and to respect the dignity of every human being. Every human being. Every human being. Jesus is not asking us to ignore our identities but rather to honor them by transcending our identity politics. It is easy to love people who are just like you. The challenge is to love people who differ or even disagree with you or even hate you. Yet we love even our enemies because we share the most important thing of all, being made in the image of God. One of my favorite things about church is that we form relationships in community around what binds us together in Christ rather than focusing on what separates us. I have relationships with parishioners that I really value and yet I have no idea what their political views are. And some of the relationships I value the most at St. John's are with parishioners who have very different political views than my own. 
Those relationships are based on knowing each other as people first. On my striving to be priest to all who come here. And on a shared commitment to following Christ in this community. I take the words on our cornerstone very seriously. A house of prayer for all people. I hope that we all take them seriously and understand that all people actually means all people. Being a house of prayer for all people is grounded in our baptisms. At the end of our services, we say, our worship has ended and now our service begins. That means that what we practice doing here and our faith is indeed a practice, we go out and model in the world. And when we see this modeled in the world, we bring that experience back to help make the practice of the community even stronger and more faithful. Our gospel passage today ends with Jesus stating the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. What is powerful about the golden rule is that you have to put yourself in the other person's position to do it. You can't say, well, in my circumstances, this is what I want. This is what I would do. Rather, you have to say, if I were in this person's circumstances, what would I want? And you can't even really answer that unless you truly strive to understand not only that person's circumstances, but understand who that person is on their terms. I've always thought that it was a bit ironic that it was called the golden rule. Because the more your sense of self and how you view others is based on worldly gold of wealth and status, the harder I think it becomes to follow the golden rule. Think instead of the golden halo of a saint like we have in the windows, signifying that the golden light of God shines through them, refined and pure. And that is what a, a saint truly is. Someone who does to others as they would have done to them, but especially if there is a cost for them to do so. This is God's call to sainthood for each of us. So now let us make some new saints, renew our own baptismal covenant, and go forth to walk in the way of love. Amen.